Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Optimal You. It's going to be a great one. I've got here with me, as you can see, an awesome guest, my good friend and buddy, Colton Brockbank. Hello, Joe. <laughs> so it's, it's Optimal You. We've changed it from the Joe Show. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. I'm just learning about this as we're starting. Episode three. Most of you didn't watch episode two. I saw the view counts on there, so it'll be new to a lot of people. <laughs> I, didn't, well. I didn't see... Episode two, Joe. It was about I my had fitness dream. very crappy service. <laughs> I tried to open it up just for the record. I've been thinking of doing, in addition to the vlog, releasing the podcast as well. Do you listen to podcasts podcast. more? Is that, yeah, should I, I do that? I do. I watch vlogs probably more than I watch podcasts, but I feel like more people listen to vlogs. Maybe I'm wrong. You're going to have to just tell Joe. We'll so. see. And I might just surprise everybody and put it out yeah, on you a just podcast should. as well. You should. Can't well, you do it for free? Yeah, there are yeah, lots of hosting sites. Lots of hosting sites. Well, well, Colton's a good friend. I asked him if he would step in and sit in on this episode and help me share my story of being in foster care. Now, a little bit about Colton. Colton is a crazy, crazy guy. He's I'm done stuff in, in Nitro Circus. How many concussions do you have, Colton? Maybe less than Taylor, Josh. That's all that matters. <laughs> less than I've Josh. had like 15. So 15, 16, something like that. Man, because he does wild stuff like double backflips, wakeboarding, really snowboarding. That's all it is, Joe. If but you were you, better at it, then, it, you know. You have no fear, and that is awesome. Sometimes. You're willing to try stuff. You've helped out with uh, scripting. You've helped out with social media. You're a marketer uh, for Godfrey Clan. Uh, you've done a lot of amazing stuff, Colt. It's amazing to see what you've done and where you're going to go. But I'm excited for you to be here with me today. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I'm pumped for, what is it called again? What's the show called? Oh, don't do this to me. You got to tell me the show again. I already we can't it. go back and start over. I know. You got to just tell me what it's called again. Optimal You. Optimal You. You do bring up a good point though. So since many of you didn't listen to episode two, I, I want to explain that. Yeah, so Optimal You has come from what I want to do, not only with this podcast, but with my life. I've had unique experiences, and because of those, it's shaped who I am today. There are other people out there that have had similar experiences, and I want to share those through this podcast, but the whole intent is to help others live their optimal lives. And so thinking about that uh, being my essentially my mission, uh, per se, or you could say, oh, that's what I've titled this podcast, is Optimal You. I love it, dude. It's <laughs> if it's you. If anybody follows Joe on social media, if you follow him on Facebook or Instagram or anything, he's like, he's a self help book on a daily basis. It's awesome. So I I love it, man. I'm all about it. I'm this trying is, to get to Tony Robbins. This is where Joe and I really connect because I I love this stuff. <laughs> you I, are too. I'm yep. a total screw off type person, but I love this stuff. So I'm I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Joe. So everybody knows. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Well, today what I'd like to do is uh, talk about my experience growing up in foster care. And I haven't really shared a lot about this. I've I've kept it pretty private. Even some of my friends, I've always told I everybody. I didn't even know very much details about this. So this is actually going to yeah. be fun for me to talk about your foster care experience because I feel like I just barely learned that you were in foster care. I was like, wait, what? I thought you were <laughs> yeah. just adopted. I didn't even put two and two together that you actually go to foster care before adoption sometimes. Well, so. and that's what I told everybody that, hey, I've 
been adopted. I live with my adopted yeah. parents, but when people ask more questions, I'm like, well, technically they have custody and guardianship over me or had it until I was 18. Uh, but I've just pretty much said, yeah, they're, that's mom and dad. They're my parents. So I've adopted them regardless if they've adopted me or not, <laughs> but they have. <laughs> so they're not your real parents then? Are they just your foster care parents technically? Yeah. So well, they, so so they're a foster care program. Your your mm-hmm. mom and dad. The, yeah. So they've been foster parents. My mom no longer does it, uh, but they have been foster parents. Jeez, I think it was twenty years or something like that. Thirty, twenty or thirty wow. years, and they've helped over fifty kids. I think what Dude, it is. And that so, is so cool. In the time I that they totally started, never knew that. <laughs> and my family. Uh, Myself, my older brother, my younger brother, and my younger sister, when we came to live with them, they were our foster parents. And, um, you know, the whole plan and the whole point of foster care uh, is to be able to reconnect families. Um, But our situation was one that we couldn't return back to our biological mother. And so then we had to look at what happened at that point. And my foster parents were awesome. And they decided to keep myself and my older brother. Mm. Well, we're jumping ahead a little bit here. Yeah, I know. So that everybody knows, though, why I sound like such a poor friend is because I am, number one. And number two, I, you and I didn't even become really good friends till probably, I don't know, sixth, seventh grade, eighth grade even is when we became really good friends. Mm-hmm. But in that time, we'd known each other. So, you know, 11, 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere around there is where we became really good friends. And I, I don't think I even understood the concept of it at all. And I don't think I ever cared to ask after that. I just would see your mom, who I thought was just your mom. So I'm, mm. I'm excited. Anyways, I'm jumping and everybody the gun. Would, and everybody would say, like, is that your grandma? Because my, my mom, my it foster mom. It was a bit older. It was older. Yeah. yeah. I so. remember thinking the same freaking thing. I even said it to you. I You may Goodness, have. But man, a lot I'm of people. And, and, you know, you say you're a terrible friend, but a lot of it was, was on me. I didn't want to share that with other people. And and one of the main reasons and what a lot of children in foster care feel is that by letting them that out, they would be different from others and they'd be identified as different. So definitely I struggled with that, struggled um, letting people know that, hey, I don't have a family right now, a, a, a family uh, to raise me and I'm having somebody else take care of me. Well, while the situation was nothing that I did, right. still I, I felt control. embarrassed. I felt shamed by it, and and that's a lot of why I never really shared it with anybody. And we grew up in a pretty well-to-do area, I would say, uh, and so that also added a complexity to it yeah, as well. It's like, hey, I just that, wanted to keep up with everybody else. I could have seen my old area where I lived in, which is funny because I still say old area, and it was still another part of Sandy. <laughs> yeah, we grew up in Sandy, Utah, which is. A, Did you go to East Sandy Elementary too? Yeah, I went to East Sandy with Tyler. Yeah, I knew Tyler, but I didn't know you. Wait, you went to East Sandy? Yeah. What the freak well, are you talking well, about? Well, so when I went into foster care, I was in. Okay, no, so. When I first went into foster care, um, the because I was trying to go back to my mom, and that was the plan, my biological mother, they let me go to the school that I would have gone to, which was a private Catholic school for underprivileged families. It was called Guadalupe, Guadalupe Elementary School, somewhere. That sounds downtown. like convincing to me. So. Pretty, pretty ironic. 
uh, our neighbor worked at that school. So in my in my foster home, our neighbor worked there. So she, being awesome, helped commute. Mother Catherine back gave you. down to school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Her name was Patty. Actually, That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, Mother Patty. Uh, but uh, so so anyway, so I went there for a couple of years, and then when my biological mother's rights were terminated, then it was like, we can't keep doing this. You got to go to school here. And it was East Annie Elementary. So in third grade, third grade, I started going there. that's right when I transferred. And and yeah, and I think Tyler was there for like a little bit. He was there for another year or two. Yeah, a year. And then he moved to Draper. So I I knew who Tyler was. And then, yeah, you guys. Tell me you still remember (laughs) the song, We're the Best East Annie Elementary. (laughs) I've forgotten it, but. Brave and true, we're the Mustangs, (laughs) proud and strong. We've got the power. (laughs) You still remember. I remember, cool, because kindergarten, first, second grade, those were the years for me. And then I transferred in third grade and became a compulsive liar, and Travis (laughs) and all those guys hated me. So anyways, we'll talk about that someday, <laughs> that's but that's funny, really but funny. Yeah. I so can't believe you went to East It's Sandy. crazy, huh? And then, yeah, so then... While you were living over here? Well, over in, in your Sandy, parents? Sandy, yeah. So we, we first lived there, and then we moved to where we live now, well, where my mom lives now. It gets confusing because I say my mom. So when I say my mom, that's yeah. my adoptive mom. I get that. Uh, but so where my mom lives now, I move, we moved in the summer of me going into seventh grade. So right at the beginning of Indian Hills. And then I think you, were you at Churchill? I was at Churchill seventh grade, yeah. but I was still hanging out with Tanner over at his house, which is how I knew you then. Mm-hmm. It was even like sixth grade is when we'd first hung out. Sixth or seventh grade, something like that. Yeah. It was somewhere right around there. Because then Tim came over and was hanging out with us too. And he stopped hanging out with his other homie that was a <laughs> short-haired blonde kid. I don't remember his name. I don't Cody. Know. Yeah. They lived all on the other side by Kristen and those girls, but that's so wild. Anyway, and, and we got connected. Hey, and right, it's part of a thing. You you really don't know what's going on. You're like, holy crap! Look at how all of things have added up. And th- and that's really how my experience in foster care came to be. Well, what led me to be in foster care was that my biological mother, first off, was very young. So before she had my older brother. Um, she had another child um, and had an abortion with that child. And so she got pregnant again with my brother. And she was 15 when she got pregnant with my brother. So she got pregnant before that with another child. And then me when she was 18. And then I don't remember the ages of when she had my younger brother and my younger sister. But she was really young. She was very involved with drugs, uh, gangs, and uh, stuff like that. My biological father was significantly older than my mom so it's a bad situation right Mm. and so my uncle my biological uncle knew that my mom was involved with these things we weren't getting the best care and attention and she really wasn't fit for raising us so he had i don't know if it was like reported but he let child services know the division of child and family services dcfs and they investigated. And I remember one morning, well, actually, my older brother was taken before us. So, like, yeah, during so the investigation. How old are you at this time then? How old are you? Your brother gets taken. How old are you? Gosh, I got to be like five or six. So, your older yeah. brother got taken when you're five or six. You remember it? Yeah. And it, and it wasn't like 
very long before I was. It was probably like months, and then we were next. But he, right. but the reason he was is because they investigated. He was like, "Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to live here. I don't want to do this anymore." And so they took him. They put him into what's called a shelter home. So that's even before you get to a foster home. A foster home is a little bit more permanent. A shelter home is very temporary. So he was in one of those, and then he went to live with my foster parents. Now, um, but so myself, my younger brother, my other sister were still with my mom. And I remember things growing up where we would go to like different people's houses and stuff and stay there. And I didn't really know what was going on. We would have to go in a room, like watch TV, play Nintendo and stuff like that. And now I know that she was doing drugs and different stuff like that with them there. And one morning we were at a motel and uh, there was all of a sudden a knock at the door. And I remember there being cops and probably what was a social worker and um, I, I believe my mom had been doing drugs the night before. I want to say that they like searched the room, they found the drugs, and then I think just at that point they arrested my mom. So that was, I, was, I remember that distinctly. Like she was arrested. Right in front. We of were all, yeah, we were all just like torn apart, crying, didn't know really what was going on, have no idea. So it She's just being looks put, like the police are taking your mom for no freaking reason. Put in, put in the back of a cop car and we're like, what's going on? And then that caseworker takes us uh, and takes us, I don't remember exactly where, um, but then we were in what almost seemed like a group home just to wait. And then we go to a shelter home as well. And myself and my younger brother. And uh, you're, you're how old right now? Still probably like five or six. Still around the same exactly. time. Yeah. Your brother was just taken just shortly before. Yeah, you months before. Hmm. So he's just been in a little bit longer than we have. And so they they take us to uh, someplace first, and then we go to this shelter home. And we're probably at the shelter home for five days. And then it's like, hey, your brother's been in this foster home. And lucky for us, they had additional rooms and, and could take on the three of us and to get us back with our brother and to have us all together. They, they try to do that if they can. And so it was super nice. And then, so we were reunited with my brother, Ronnie, and then um, met this family, the, the Kramer family, my adoptive family. Uh, and it, it was wild. Now, being that young and trying to process what's going on, really hard, really hard, have no idea. So for the first couple of years the plan is to to get us back with our mom so she's got to do things like of course stay clean so they're testing her um, she has to go in for drug tests and stuff like that to prove that she's off of drugs and we get visitation rights growing up my grandmother pretty much was my mom since she wasn't like so much in the picture she was involved with the other stuff so we got to go see our grandma uh, like on the weekends and then occasionally her mom would be involved with that as well but it, she would occasionally. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm. Up until how how old? I I want to say seven or eight. So it was only a few years. Yeah. She... And and I'm surprised that it lasted that long because she couldn't stay clean. She couldn't stay away from the drugs. She would have problems with that. And you know the the state went back and forth. I'm sure of like how long do we do we wait and give her opportunities? And so then finally, they decided like all right, she's she's not doing it. She hasn't proved that she can get you guys back, raise and be a mother. And so that's where they looked at next steps. So that was an interesting thing, right? Being, being taken away from your mom. And my biological father, when I was young, 
was never in the picture. So myself and my older brother, did you ever dad, meet your? You yeah, did. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So myself and my older brother, same dad, same mom. My younger brother, different dad, same mom. My younger sister, different dad, same mom. So the oldest two have the same dad, and then it's just a different dad. They're on younger, mm. and so I mean that tells you a little bit there right. as well. Um, but. This is blowing my mind, just for the record. There's so many details. I had no idea. Right, and so. because of what I do, I'm like over here going, holy cow, patterns of this. Well, I, I, some yep. other time. But I'll make a lot of sense to you now, Cole. Dude, this makes so much sense to <laughs> and me. So, and so going through that, it was interesting. They, so we tried to keep you know our, our lives going while this whole process was going on, which is why I went to the Guadalupe School. My brother went to... Uh, this Catholic school, Our Lady of Lords, and then we made the transition over. So at this point, mother's rights are terminated. They're like, what do we do? And Seven or eight years old. Yeah, my my uh, foster parents at that time were like, well, we definitely would love to. Now, my younger brother had some behavior problems, um, and he wasn't taking the situation that well. And so my, my mom was like, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. My sister was younger. You know, my mom, she's older, and she's like... Uh, and so it was decided that maybe the best thing for them was to go to a younger family. She would, she would keep me and my older brother, uh, but the younger two then would go to a younger family. So they put them up for adoption. There was a family in Wyoming that decided that they wanted my brother and my sister. And so my brother and myself stayed with now my adoptive parents. My younger siblings were adopted off. And so one, going through the experience of being taken away from my mom, as a young child, pretty traumatic. And now here's a second instance where my younger brother and my younger sister are again being pulled away from me. And I can only imagine what they were going through and some of the thoughts that they had. But when they were adopted, the court said, all right, we need to give them time to adjust to their family. So they essentially told us that we shouldn't have communication with them. So right there, I remember that last day giving them a hug in the courts and just letting them go with their new family. And I was like, holy cow, <laughs> this is crazy. And Freaking didn't get didn't get uh, contact with them really until I was about 21. And so eight or now nine. Now I see why you're so freaking hyped on the internet a little bit ago about this whole. <laughs> yeah. I see it all. Yeah. And yeah. so it was, I mean. And you were so kind about it, too, at the same time. I would have blurted and been like, F you guys, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, so, impressed by your compassion. So, right, so, so you're, you're referring to the Facebook post, I'm assuming, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more, but, yeah, you know, sh <laughs> shitty stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> Crappy situations happen, and when you're going through them, you're outraged. But it all makes sense eventually. And so, so yeah. that happened. I mean, grew up trying to live as much of a normal life as we could. Went to school, made friends. But even on me, there were lots of questions of like, geez, do I have a family? Um, because while I was adopted by my parents, until I was 18, I was still in state's custody, uh, which a lot of people don't know. <laughs> and I didn't want to tell a lot of people. Right. Uh, but I while they had custody and guardianship, meant that they could make decisions for us, but the state, I was still ultimately what they call a ward of the state. Mm. And so as part of that, I had 
worked through the Artec system, Valley Mental Health, and I had a therapist and I had to check in and meet with this therapist. First, it was like very regularly. Then as we got through the system, it was less and less. And it was because of the type of foster program that my parents were set up in. And so go to these sessions and you know stuff like that so i grew up with the therapist guys i know you look at me now and you're like uh you need to go see a therapist hey surprise all the way till i was 18 i met with a therapist hey therapists are great <laughs> yeah. as long as it's a therapist and not the rapist then it's great yeah anyways i'm just kidding but i do love that you went to right. therapist and i don't think and it, i don't think there's there's a a weird dogma about therapists and we can talk about that another yeah. time but i hate how people look at therapists man it's y- just yeah like, and you know, I'm actually having a thought right now as we talk about that. Like, I think I dealt with a lot of this by by repressing it, not really wanting mm. to to face it or even think about it. <laughs> and it's and it's funny now because I I don't like those situations <laughs> like, where like I have to meet and talk about things. It, it's so funny, right? In like one on one settings, you'd hate what I do, Joe. You would hate it, <laughs> which kidding. is ironic because I'm a people person. I love talking right. with people, but you get me one on one, and but it's all because of this, it's, right? It's your stuff, though. It's not. Yeah. you'd love talking about other people's stuff. Yeah, so I even so, felt that when we went hiking. So I get that. <laughs> so I hated meeting with this therapist. Well, he was a great guy. He did stuff like take us out to dinners. David Anson, if you're out there, I want to connect with you. So connect with me, but. Um, it, it was just super interesting, uh, because I hated it because again, I didn't want to be different. Why do I have to go talk to this guy and tell him about my feelings? Like I didn't do anything wrong, but there was a lot of things that I didn't understand and didn't get. And had I been better at communicating and, and working through those would have better been able to utilize him. But anyway, stuff like that. Um, you know, a couple of things that like growing up, uh, it's funny because being in foster care, so I was a ward of the state, so state like dictate a lot of things. And because of that, like going up in school even, uh, one of the things that was always funny to me is that I hated it, but I always got free lunches. <laughs> so did. I was on a state program where I got free lunches. Josh would have envied that. But I could only get like the standard meal or whatever. Sure. So when, when friends at school were getting like ice creams and stuff like that out of their lunch accounts, like I couldn't buy that stuff. I could only get the basic lunch. So I was like, dang it. And, and it made me so mad. And I remember once asking my mom, I was like, hey, can I can I have some money to put in my account and get some ice cream stuff? And she's like, why? You're getting free lunches. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but other kids are getting like pizza, sometimes two pizzas and ice cream. And like, I want that stuff too. But I, I got stuck with the free lunches. And then even with, with wrestling. So with wrestling, um, there was like a waiver, a fee waiver that I could fill out. And I hated doing that. I was like, I don't want to be different. I want to take like a check with the money to pay for it in like everybody else. But instead I had to fill out this waiver and bring it in. And yeah, all of that stuff, like, so like I hated hid that. I, I, I had hated no clue. It. Because it, it was something that would have, while I wasn't different from everybody, that it would clue them in that my situation was different and they felt like I would be judged mm. for that. Uh, and a lot so, of fear. A, a lot of fear. A lot of insecurities as you well. You feel like with a ton that. of kids are in the same spot as you? Yes. Yes. You're not alone on that? Uh-huh. Have you talked to a lot of people about that? So I'm just starting. I'm glad you bring that up. Welcome. Right. Okay, so you, so you mentioned this this Facebook post, right? Right. Um, about stuff that's going on the border and, and families being separated. So I so I went through my situation and realized in the end, 
I'm in a lot better situation than I would have been had I been able to remain with my family, with my mom, my family unit. Probably would have not graduated high school, probably would have been on the streets, probably would have got into drugs. I remember my mom always told me growing up, like, hey, you can make those choices if you want, but that's where you're going to be. That's what you're going to end up as. Uh, in jail, in prison, addicted to drugs, not having a family, and that really stunk, stuck with me. I didn't want that life, <laughs> and, and I didn't want to go down that path, and I didn't want my future to turn out as that. And, and lucky for me, a situation that on the outside can look so very bad, crappy, and just terrible turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, but anyway, so you ask about other people, have I talked to other people about that story? Are there other people? I 100% believe so, because it's not only a feeling that I had, is anybody in that situation is prone and likely to have those feelings. Or so, something similar to it, at least, for sure. Exactly. So so what I've done is I've signed up to be a mentor and a mentor to somebody in foster care. <laughs> so I Joe. So I signed up as part of the Jump Mentor Program. Now, what they do is they connect people uh, to those in foster care, those who are homeless, um, those who just need some extra help anywhere from... Uh, I think it's like 14 or 15, all the way up to like 22. But mm -hmm. I told them specifically, if I can, I don't have a preference. I'll, I'll mentor whoever they want me or, or feels like I'd be a good fit for. But I, I would like somebody in foster care because I've been there. I felt those feelings and I want to be able to connect with them. Now that's a start. There's a couple of things that I want to do with that. I want to grow the mentor network. So if there are other people who are interested, I want to be able to connect them with this program. But I also want to keep a close pool with them as well. Um, and then second, I want to be involved in speaking engagements and opportunities, which is a little bit what this podcast is about, to share that story. So if anybody else is going through my situation to know, yeah, it's a crappy one, but hey, let's, let's look at that silver lining. Look, look at what happened to Joe. He's not, I've, and so I'm not an average statistic. One of the statistics that they shared there is that those growing up in foster care, and this was interesting, 1% actually complete high school and obtain 1%. a college degree. So yeah, so finish high school and obtain a college degree. And I graduated high school, barely. <laughs> I was right there with you. Joe. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then later um, moved on to college and, and got a degree from the University of Utah. So only 1% of all the kids. And there's uh, one of the statistics I shared on that Facebook book, like right now, there's probably 450,000 kids. And if you think about 1% of that, I'm not good at math. <laughs> Is that like four or something? Like 4%, 45. <laughs> 45 or whatever are going to go on to get a college degree. Yeah. yeah that's and wild. so it's like, wow, I want to help change that. I want to help change uh, those that go through the system to know that they're not different, that they have a bright future and they can create and live their own optimal life <laughs> and so so some of the hard things with of course growing up in foster care there were a lot of great things now i always struggled with trying to find my own identity to find where i belong and where i fit in and uh you're probably thinking like dude your your foster family like what what about that and so i did there they are mom and dad and I love my mom more than anything in the world. Anybody you know knows me knows that. Um, I was your mom the whole time. I would do anything for her. And 
not only because of my situation, but I am who I am because of my foster parents, my parents, my mom and my dad, um, bringing me up in a family environment, teaching me good things, good behaviors, hard work. <laughs> so my, my parents grew up during World War II in Germany. They're immigrants to the United States. They're hard knock people. Dude, they're freaking legends. <laughs> and they, growing up and being raised in that environment was tough, but it taught me hard work. And, and really, it gave me that determination and that grit to become who I am today. Now, I'm not done, but to become who I am today. Yeah, you've got a you've got a super wild Joe, I'm I'm literally <laughs> over here going, I literally had no idea. And so that people know, I I'm, I'm I'm actually a pattern specialist, which makes uh, not a lot of people know that about Break me. Break down my but, patterns, goal. Well, I'm not we're not going to do that right now, but it just it, what's really cool is how you have um some of your patterns like most people would be in a totally different spot right now yeah just from the first from the first thing watching their brother being taken away would be such a traumatic experience it's, itself then from being split from your mom watching your mom and that side of it to then you being taken away um and only seeing her for a time and all of a sudden she's disappeared again those are those are all really big things that people itself if they had one of them would be such a traumatic experience. It would change the whole outcome of their life completely. Then growing up in foster care is another one of those things. Yeah. Then not being feeling like you can talk to people is another one of those things. So you have all these things that are just stacked up that 1%, just for the record, it was 4,500. Yeah. So only 4,500. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had to do the math. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's like 4,500. And I was like, yeah, it's 4,500. Because I, I said 450. So told you out there. I had to I've, do it. I'm not a math guy. Yeah, my wife is. So I have person. to check it. Yeah, you're right. So, but anyways, all this stuff that you've gone through, technically you shouldn't be who you are and where you are. Shouldn't. If you, if you look at what happens and the patterns that go through you're beyond an anomaly. Sure, you have your patterns of things that you do in your everyday life or whatever, but you're the absolute anomaly. So honestly, I'm blown away just hearing your story. Wow. For the Thanks, first man. time through <laughs> yeah. that I've ever heard the full story, I'm blown away, man, because I guarantee you that most of our friends don't even know that story. No, yeah. And I didn't want to share it with a lot of people until I know, now. because this I, is so wild. And it's wild how things have like, come for a circle and connected because I mean even after going through that um because I'm I'm 29 now so we're far beyond that whole experience and it's taken me a while to become comfortable with who I am to be confident in myself and, and where I'm at right now and I and I still feel of course there's I've got a lot to accomplish still but I'm like I got to recognize that that experience is really what has shaped me into who I am today because, yeah, there are many times that I could have just given up. I could have got into drugs. Well, the interesting thing being in being raised in foster care in a foster home, like if I got in trouble, I was going to youth detention. <laughs> so that was also a scary thing that kept me away from doing some of those things. I, I didn't want to be I mean, taken out of another beating home. beating me up in school, <laughs> right? I don't really know. Yeah. If anybody so, can see this scar, Joe about tore it off my face one time. <laughs> Accident. Lovely surprise. So wait, before you go into that, I I got a couple questions for you because oh, yeah. i got to get to the bottom of some of this stuff. This is so wild to me. Um, another one of those things I was talking about, pattern builders, 
the father thing, most people in America that don't grow up with their father or whatever is a yeah. big trickle effect. Now, thankfully, you had a father figure in the home with you yeah. up until you were, what, how old? We were in high school, right? So I was 18. You were 18. Yeah, when my adoptive father passed away. Now, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And that was a that was a big bummer thing. Um, right after, it was the summer after high school. Actually, we're, we're coming up on it July 31st. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, a couple weeks. Yeah. Or a week and a half here. What is it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, even that right there, especially at 18, we're still forming brain stuff and everything. I finally think I have a dad. I, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I know. Growing up and like, ah, oh, And awesome. then all of a sudden he's jamming and it's like, yeah. dude, so you have you have a ton of stuff on that. Yeah. Going going back to when was the last time you saw your, your actual father, which, by the way, we always thought that you were... Uh, Mexican all grown up, which you thought so too. <laughs> yeah. Until you did a DNA test, he finds out that he's actually like what, Cherokee and something else or? 46% Native American. I haven't <laughs> oh nailed it down gosh. to where. See, we're trying tribe. to get this boy to collect on his reservation <laughs> here. <laughs> any any genealogy experts? Hey, uh, use some yeah, help there. Family dude. tree mapping out. But so, so an interesting thing with my biological father didn't really have, wasn't really in my life that I can remember up to being in foster care. And then once they found out, once I got in the system, they identified him. I couldn't go back to live with him because he was on probation. And so, so he was too. Yeah. So he was, he was, he was a gangster. He grew up in East LA and come over here to, to Utah, was involved with all of that type of stuff. So the Chacon family, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> Whoa. but that's my last name, but involved with some, with some stuff so like you, that. So you took your name and from so, your, from your dad then? So I still, because I wasn't fully adopted, I still have my birth last name. Right. Yeah. And, but it was from my dad and not my, right, right. my mom. Yeah. yeah. I, I never yeah. even knew that either. This is a new thing for me. Just for so, so after coming into, they weren't married, of course. <laughs> I mean, after coming yeah. into um, foster care, they reached out to him and he put in his regular visits, but that's pretty much all that I saw of him. Right. And it was pretty up much when, up until I was about, 17 and then i started to realize it it was just on birthdays and christmases when he'd reach out birthday and christmas and so i was like he's just doing this as part of like obligation and responsibility has to yeah exactly and and to my biological father and mother who are out there and if you somehow listen to this you know i know a lot of this has happened in the past and you may have different feelings now but but no, this is like what I grew up with and I'm okay with the way that life has turned out. Like I don't hold any harsh feelings or negative feelings toward them um, because I know sometimes you, you make choices and sometimes you make wrong choices. But <laughs> again, right, with my Facebook post, you always have to be accountable for the choices that you make. And as part of what happened is that I was really blessed with another life and a better life. Dude, this is blowing my mind. I'm I'm literally like yeah, just so, I, so interested by this. So I can't really remember when I talked to my biological father last. It was probably somewhere when I was 17, something like that, mm. 17, 18. Probably at Christmas time. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And what about your mom? When was the last time you talked to your mom? Your biological it's mom. It's been a long time because she her rights were terminated. She wasn't able to contact to. us, allowed to talk to us. So yeah, that one has been a long time. Now she has tried to reach out several times during through Facebook, but 
I, I haven't been interested in connecting with her. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't connected with her. Yeah. So I'm sure it could have been, you know, within the last few years, but yeah, I'm, I'm for not really interested in conversation that for another time. We can chat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe and I, we've been busy for the last while. So this is awesome on the reconnect <laughs> side of it. Cause this is, uh, we, we went hiking and it was like, Joe, I didn't even know this about you. And you're like, yeah. I'm like, geez, I'm a bad friend. Joe was in my wedding line. I don't even know this stuff. <laughs> You're so, making me feel like a bad friend. <laughs> no, it, no, because it makes sense, though. I, I, yeah. A lot of my friends don't know the real Colton because I, I talk a lot, but I don't share the connection side of it with everybody. We know you, Colt. We know yeah. you. <laughs> well, you know a lot of the bad stuff. But <laughs> but so so I get that though, yeah. because it it's number it's already scary just to share who you are, period. But if you feel like somebody might be jaded because of where you're at, that's mm-hmm. a way scarier thing. Yeah. So it makes it makes sense. I'm just like, damn it, dude, I didn't <laughs> know this for twenty years yeah. almost. It's been eighteen years. Yeah. It's been eighteen, a long nineteen time. years since I've known you. So it's like Dude, I'm a, I'm just an uninformed friend. <laughs> so, so <laughs> you mentioned like you mentioned like oh, if you know Joe, he's motivational and inspirational. Yeah. I've I've always gravitated towards that, and which is why of, you loved me. I'm just kidding. yeah, and why I'm I was drawn kidding. to you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, listening to those, <laughs> and really, if you think about a lot of successful people in their lives, they've gone through some type of hardship, and they share their story, and and I realized like. This isn't something that I should be ashamed about, that I should try to hide or, you know, keep just for me. There are other people that can learn from this and it can inspire them. It can motivate them uh, where as most of the time I'm like, yeah, it's just something that happened to me. It happens to a lot of other people. Hey, a lot of people have crappy stuff happen to them. A lot of people, you know, go to school, graduate college, work a job. I'm, I'm trying so much to be normal that I play off things like, it's just another everyday occurrence when you hearing this story, you're amazed by it. I'm like, well, it's, dude, it's it's just how I grew up, man. I know. <laughs> and, and, and it's easy to say that now as an adult, but when you're a kid, you don't see things like from the macro view of it. You're just yeah. there and you're in it. So that's what's most impressive is it's like, dude, I, I, I had no clue. And for most of the kids that are out there, what what advice do you have for them? Because they're, they can't see it from the macro view that you can now where you're like, well, now I can see it. My mom was just in a rough place. My dad didn't really know any better. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, I learned a ton from it. But at the time, you're going through hell. You're witnessing a lot of crappy stuff. You're you're feeling a lot of heartache that some a lot of kids aren't going to be at the macro side of it that you are. Yeah. So what you are Mr. Motivational, and I love it. <laughs> And All right. What, what this kind is what of, I've been preparing for. And what kind <laughs> of what kind of advice would you give kids in your position? They're they're going through foster care, or they were adopted, or they just feel different in that way that they don't feel like they can connect with people because they're going to be shut out, or maybe they'll be taken away, or that they'll be you'll you'll lose those people because that's part of the pattern yeah. too. Yeah. So what? Yeah. What advice do you? That's have? amazing. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. Just for the record, that's I'm really crazy. good at pattern stuff. We'll talk about it. That's, again. that's amazing. Um, I think the most important thing to know is to is to take your time with things. Like just because my story turned out great uh, doesn't mean that 
I know your story is going to turn out great immediately. It's, it's going to take some time, right? I can look back and see the pieces as they have fallen into place. Maybe you're going to have to go through this difficult thing that you're going through. Maybe you're in foster care right now. Maybe you have to go through that. Maybe there are two or three other things down the road after that that you're going to have to go through. But know that when you're in a challenging time and when things are difficult, you're being strengthened. So don't be afraid. Know that it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. I'm not going to tell you that life is going to be easy and because you can through foster care, you're going to be amazing. You're going to have to put in work. You're going to have to work extra hard uh, to make the life that you want. It's not just going to be handed to you. You're, you're, I don't want to say that you're at a disadvantage, but the cards already aren't stacked in your favor. You're going to have to change those cards. So be patient. Know that there may be other tough things that come, but don't give up. You can ultimately create whatever life that you want. And don't be afraid. It, kids are judgy. People are judgy. But those judgy people, you don't want them a part of your life, a part of your close circle. You don't need to impress anybody. You just need to focus on yourself and get yourself right. That's, that's the other most important thing that I would share with them. Man, School and high school is a whole nother story <laughs> too, right? We're talking about whole other stories. But those can be difficult and trying in their own ways. And if you add something complex on it, say foster care, say you lose a parent, say your parents are divorced, you know, anything like that, it, it may be scary to let those things out because people will judge you. Don't, don't be afraid. There's life after that. There are better times and people will come into your life as you improve it. It's energy, man. Uh, as you exude that energy, it will attract to you the right people. And the right people are those ones that matter. And they won't judge you. They'll see you for who you are. And it won't matter what what you're going through or what you've been through. One of, one of the quotes that really has stuck with me really big is a Steve Jobs quote, quoted by Dieter Uchtdorf. But uh, it, it, it's a Steve Jobs <laughs> I know quote, this quote. <laughs> that says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. And then, so that's what's really stood out to me in my life. That say a dot in your life is foster care. Say a dot in your life is, is losing a spouse, losing a loved one. Say it's a disease, an illness. It's going to suck, but know that all of those dots, no matter what they happen, ultimately, when you look back, you'll be able to see why each and every single one of those dots has happened to you. Um, he goes on to say, you have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. He says, this approach has never let me down and it has made all the difference in my life. And I know if you have that perspective, right, knowing that you go through difficult things for a reason it will all make sense. Trust. Trust in something better and believe. Believe it because it all starts with your mindset and being able to achieve it. Dude, <laughs> I love this. If, you, if all of you kids and anybody that's been through foster care are hearing this right now, to sum it up, strive to be part of the 1% yeah. or 0.1%. It's, it's, you're literally 0.005% in where you are because even just graduating high school and college to where you are, I mean, you own your own place. Yeah, you have a rad truck. <laughs> I mean, you, you 
you have a great life, man. I mean, it, in the way is of what people were to look at success. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, you also have a lot of friends that love and care about you. You do have a great family that has become this awesome support system for you. Yes. And I don't want anybody to think because of my story and with some of my identity issues that I don't have a great family. I have a wonderful family. Well, either way, you're the... <laughs> and friends. Some of the best friends out there. Hopefully those dots that they're just going up like this to say one for the 1% there. So I'm pretty sure that's what Joe's is in case you're wondering. If you look up in the stars, you'll see his connecting dots up there. It's yeah. kind of like the Big Dipper, but it just says Big Joe. So, cool. You're, you're awesome. I appreciate you taking the time sitting down it. with me today. I'm glad I, I came out. I think that there's going to be more discussions. Love to have you back on. So he mentioned you mentioned you're a pattern I'm pattern pro, dude. I'm going to call pattern it pattern pro. pro. Pattern pro. No, because so just I would love to say that I'm like some cool athlete or something, but I was always a wannabe. <laughs> and all I've ever wanted Don't to do is short. help people. And so I love this side of it because what we'll have to do is we'll have to come back on and we'll talk about those patterns again because that's yeah. that's intriguing to me. It blows my mind. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I If anybody doesn't get what I'm saying with my voice right now, like, this Joe is beyond unique in the person that he's becoming. And this isn't to toot the horn or anything. It's just being very real. Um, if you look at the connecting the dots side of things, one dot shouldn't push you to be who you are right now or make the choices even to go on a mission like you did mm-hmm. or to hang with the people you did like us in high school. I guess we were kind of weird, but we were just a weird group of kids. So it, like, I, I guess it kind of fits in that cause we were all so different, but yeah. it's just, I don't know, man, it's just, it's really, really wild to see who you've end up, ended up today, how motivated you are to stay fit, to get fit Trying. in the first place yeah. that you did. Um, which you guys heard about on his last one, I'm guessing with losing the mass amounts of weight and everything. And you didn't listen to it. And Joe, <laughs> about four years ago about threw me across the room without even trying <laughs> or playing video games and i was just like geez joe is so strong now so dude it's 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 wild to see where you are and yeah i love patterns and stuff but i really love the message you just gave the one percent side of it the not being afraid to be indifferent and i learned from today so um i hope people watch this as much Thanks, as I Cole. hope they do do. Yes. No, so. you'll you'll you definitely get something and and that's my hope is that you'll get one thing. Uh I will link information over to the Jump mentorship program in the description of this vid on YouTube. So if you're interested, you can take a look at their webpage. If you have any questions about it, let me know uh, and I can definitely help answer some of those questions and hopefully we can get some more mentors. Maybe you've been in a similar situation. Maybe you just want to help out. Maybe you're somebody who's caring and passionate and wants to help somebody out. Definitely love for you guys to jump on. So that was the other thing too, right? I, with my whole upset with the this rage that or the the with what's going on on the border yeah. is that there's social media activists out there and they're not doing anything. I was like, well, damn it, I'm gonna do something. And yeah. so here is one of the small things that I'm going to do to to make a difference. And Talk I would love cheap, for other Joe. people. Exactly, you gotta you gotta get out there. Um, and then we'll have Colton back on to talk about. These patterns, if you want to talk about my patterns, I'm open to that. And then also I don't think you are, Joe, but we'll share. Do <laughs> and then it. and then share uh, share about you know your your program that you do and, and sure. different stuff like that. But 
Sure. Love to have you back. And uh, thanks for being here, Cole. Thanks for everybody for watching uh, and supporting us here. Optimal You. We'll see you with our next episode. See ya.